We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Magri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Trouble School podcast. I don't know why I can't give you a straight face. Because I just have to look at this guy. Um, we have a returning guest on, although he's like really at this point, it is stretching the the boundaries of the term guest to, I mean, like, I don't. Squatter. I, I, I'm a squatter. I'm living. I'm living in your basement. You invited me as a guest and I just never kind of moved out. You watch Curb. I'm basically Leon. Like, I just I'm just not leaving. I just my mind is going back to to one L contracts and squatters rights and I've forgotten all of it. Um, I know if you exist in my basement for seven years, I think there's an argue, argument that you could adversely possess it. But um, that's something tells me that's not what people want to want to hear about no, on the podcast. I took, I took out a renter's insurance policy on Nick's phone school, <laughs> so things are going well. Just in case, you know, you got to prepare for the worst. What would that even entail? Uh, Fred Katz of The Athletic and also, um, as I'm now being made fun of for mentioning so often, host of the uh, wildly uh, growing podcast sensation, Cats and Shoot, uh, which this this week featured a wonderful episode uh, with CP the Franchise of NixFan uh, TV. Um, constant great guests on there. And uh, I now have the additional added challenge of not over like stepping on the things that he's already talked about. So it just you know, makes my, my job just wonderful. Um, how are you, Fred? I'm great. We can step on stuff. We always think of new twists and turns to, to come up with things. Like, I feel like when I talk to you about the Knicks, there are things that just kind of like unveil in our conversations. Part of the reason why I love doing this podcast is because whenever I come on, I feel like it even helps me with, with my writing. Like, I'll come on, we'll have a conversation about something, and I'll be like, oh, like, you know, I hadn't really thought about it in the way that I put it with John, but he kind of got that out of me. Like, you'd be a really good editor in that sense. And so, like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is like free help for for my stories. I was so unprepared to receive that that I, I I'll call it a compliment from you, but that's great. That makes me very happy because yeah, that's totally a compliment. That's a great that's that's that, that's like the best interviewing trait someone can have. Well, before we try to spur some new uh, little germs of uh, journalism, see that's that was good uh, germs <laughs> of journalism in your little little noggin there. Let's talk about some stuff that you uh, have written recently, or uh, I should say, have written, but as of the time we're recording this, hasn't come out yet. But, but by the time this pod is dropping, will have come out. And you told me it was okay that I could um, share a little bit of what we know. So you have kind of been dropping hints, little, little little breadcrumbs that you have a story coming out about the most unlikely topic or subject matter, and that you would you would kind of reveal it here on the pod. So this story is dropping Thursday. That's that's what I know. So I'm just going to ask you, like, what can you finally tell me instead of keeping keeping all of us in the dark? Yes, I can drop drop some some larger breadcrumbs. I won't reveal the entire story. But I have been excited to write this story for such a long time. 
It's about Ryan Archie Diacono. And after the Knicks contract, 15th man or thir- whatever he's 13th man. man, whatever he is. The Knicks, the Knicks 17th man. He might 18th <laughs> man. He might be behind the two ways, but you know what? Like that dude is so fascinating. Uh, there is a reason that he's still in the league. And the reason that he's still in the league, even though he literally hasn't scored this year, is because of all the weird quirks that he does behind the scenes. And my personal favorite, I thought, you know, is the Knicks officially guaranteed his contract this week. And he's kind of he's kind of the punching bag of the locker room. But oh, really? he also punches. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. They all just crap on Ryan Archidiacono. And he feeds it right back. It's an unbelievable dynamic. Even the guys who are like like this, the sweetest, most understated personalities in that locker room are still giving crap to Ryan Archidiacono. And he hasn't scored yet this year. If you look at the score sheet, my favorite little Ryan Archidiacono quirk is that one thing that he does is he sits on the bench and just fixates on the other team's big men in the paint. And if somebody lingers in there for three seconds, he will scream it out to the refs. And he's become this like unbelievable force for the Knicks in getting three second calls on the other team. I went through and I watched every single three second call. How many have there been? been? There have been 16 three second calls against Knicks opponents opponents this year. Okay. 13 of them have come with the defense in front of the Knicks bench. Oh, that's a coincidence. And Archie Diacono is taking credit for him. He says that's how he gets his points. He doesn't count the point until the guy makes the free throw. Uh, but, but I talked to Isaiah Hartenstein. I talked to obviously the Villanova guys. They're all like, he is the loudest three second call guy in the league. There was a play earlier this year in Phoenix where Archie Diacono insists that like Nurkic was lingering in the lane. He was there for way too long. And Archie Diacono was yelling three seconds, three seconds, three seconds, screaming it out. And Nurkic, it wasn't called on Nurkic. And the next possession or maybe two possessions later, uh, Keita Bates uh, Diop ended up getting called for one. And Ryan was like, it was a quick three seconds. It was the, and Ryan is convinced it was the makeup for the the Nurkic non-call. And then three minutes later, there was a three second call on Nurkic. Uh, and and it's it's a really fascinating, funny dynamic. Uh, the quotes from Josh Hart are utterly and completely ridiculous, including him saying that, you know, obviously he and Ryan go all the way back to college and are like unbelievably close friends. And Josh Hart is incapable of saying anything nice about any of his friends. So <laughs> the quotes are him saying we should have kept Taj. <laughs> and him making fun of Ryan for his voice being too squeaky when he yells. He does this ridiculous impression of Ryan where he basically takes on the voice of someone who he takes on the voice of someone who likes like like Steve Urkel would have bullied, you know, uh, and and does it for Ryan. It's uh, I, I'm excited for the story. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's a it's a it's a great little behind the scenes look at like what a 15th man's job is and what a 15th man's life is, you know? I, I mean, I kind of always just assume that a 15th man on a Tibbs roster is someone who's like diving on the floor in practice and whatnot, but I guess this adds another little wrinkle to it. It is. It is that. But here's the thing. There are a lot of guys who are going to dive onto the floor mm. just to be able to make the team. Like, there are a lot of guys who are going to play crazy hard. Like there are two, the Knicks don't really scrimmage anymore because it's too late in the season. Teams don't scrimmage now. But like in At training all? camp. Yeah, not really. No. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, if there's a yeah. point in time in the season where you just kind of stop. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For every team. That's not a Knicks thing. It's sure, just yeah. like, oh, I didn't know it's that. just too, it's too exhausting. You got to preserve your body's practices become much lighter in the okay. second part of the season. But like training camp, you're scrimmaging and going hard. There are two Knicks who take charges during Training camp games. Who do you think they are? Well, considering we're talking about Archie Diakon, I'm going to guess him. I mean, Brunson would is that's too obvious though, right? It's correct. It's Jesus Christ. It takes Those are the two Knicks. Yep. Takes charges in practice. Yep. He's a freak. He's a maniac. He's a maniac. He really shouldn't do that. But Archie Diakon does it. It makes sense. So it's like 
that's the stuff you expect that he's the guy who's going to show up really early. He's the guy who's going to leave really late. He's going to work really hard. He's going to be really well liked by his teammates. If you're, if you don't do those things as a 15th man, you're just not going to stick because somebody else is going to do those things and, and they're going to outdo you. But I love the three second thing because he takes so much pride in the three seconds. He's got a little tally that the video coordinators made for him. Is this something it's, he preps for? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, totally. I, I'm excited to read this story. Um, it also I was also be, told, yeah. I don't know if this is going to be in the story because it's not totally done. It'll be up Thursday morning. But I was told during the process of reporting on this story that um, like Tenasis and Tetacumpo, because sure, yeah. he kind of plays like a similar sort of role. We'll will just start yelling uh if he doesn't start getting three second calls from the bench, he'll start yelling at the referees in in Greek just to shake it up. Which I really enjoyed. <laughs> thinking that maybe it would just like annoy them into calling three seconds. So yeah, Ryan Archidiakono making a difference. I went through all the play-by-play data for every single game, found every single three second call, watched every single one. And I to quote him when I told him I did that, he said, that's someone who has no life. And I was like, <laughs> that is correct. It it's funny because I was looking at something today about like just something like pondering fake trades and whatnot. And then because the the aggregation rules with uh Flynn and Achua, like Archie's the next salary on down the line, you know, unless you want to throw Grimes in a deal. And I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like, they're not gonna trade him. I know they traded him, they had to trade him in the what was it, the hard trade right which must have been weird because they're they were teammates but um yeah I, I don't want him to go anywhere so but this is a perfect lead-in because the thing that i wanted to open with is we'll talk about the, the on-court stuff in a bit but just like you know sny nicks does a really good job of this uh posting videos from inside the locker room i know i think you have you ever posted inside the locker room videos is that not your thing i never do videos okay only because videos are way more difficult to transcribe than on my recorder app where I can slow it down to a certain speed. Um, but whatever. Very, it, very inside baseball there. No, but actually, I mean, if I could step on my tiniest pedestal uh, in the world for a second, for the half a season that I like covered every fifth Nick game for Nick's SI, I had the same thought because I, I tried to video stuff and like put it out on social because that was part of like the, what they wanted us to do. And I'm like, I can't get any of this, especially with Julius who talks at like the lowest value of yeah. 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 Videos. If Ju- Julius is like the low talker from Seinfeld. Yes. He can, he talks very, very quiet to, to an absurd yeah. degree. It's, you would yes. not believe it unless you were right next to him. Um, yeah, totally. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. The videos seem to show a locker room of people that are like, it's like they're going to Disneyland every day in terms of how much fun they're having. Now, obviously I'm thinking since the trades, the five game win streak, the whole thing, you're going to be more happy when you're winning. But like, you're there every day. Can you shed a little bit of light on like what it's like to like with the mood of this team and maybe how, if at all, it has changed since um, the trade, which we have. I don't think we've even talked about yet. So that we'll get into that next. I don't think I've ever. I mean, Tibbs after the game last night, who the win over Portland said the spirit of the team is high. Is that what he said? The spirit of the team sure. is high. Let's go with that. I don't think I've ever heard Tibbs comment on the spirit of the team or the vibes. Like that's that's I don't think I've ever he'll never heard say the that. word vibes. No, he'll never say vibes. See no vibes are. They could they could win they could win a title. They could win the title. They could go 16 and 0 in the playoffs yeah. and win the title in the most dominant title run in the history of the league. And we would talk to him after the game and he would say, "Well, it doesn't matter once it's done. Got to prep for film for opening day. I start looking on how to get better. That's what he would say. Uh, I, yeah. he, him saying the spirits are high is like, whoa. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly think it's exactly how it, it seems to be from the outside. Like, even in reporting on this Ryan story, it's like guys are jumping in and saying ridiculous things, some things that I, in order to save them, am not printing because they were so outrageous and ridiculous with them trying to be so funny. I mean, I think the vibes are very, very good. It is a fantastic uh, 
if you are someone who believes that chemistry, team chemistry breeds winning, it's a fantastic argument for it. If you're somebody who believes that winning breeds team chemistry, it's a fantastic argument for it. So we can keep having that debate forever. Does it matter? All I know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. All, all, All I know is that there's no question like Julius is playing with a different kind of energy. Um, guys in that locker room are feeling really, really good about themselves and that team. Uh, it's really loose. They're just playing loose. They're acting loose. You know who's playing loose? You know who's playing so loose? Like, shockingly? Deuce McBride. I, well, you had the tweet. I referenced your tweet, actually, on the what was it, post-game last night? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Uh, that he something happened in Philly. I don't know what, what happened, but something happened in Philly. It was like it was like he saw it and he was like, "Oh, I can do this." Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we think of from three this year. <laughs> yeah, great. I think I think I think sometimes we look at basketball players as as robots, yeah. you know, and we think like, okay, what you shoot is what you shoot, and we're kind of seeing that with a lot of players, there is this sort of human element to this, and I think this applies to Quentin Grimes too, where oh. it's like. Yeah. Deuce was coming in when he was coming in and he'd be filling for a game, maybe, but he knew that he was not the guy. He knew he didn't have just like, like he knew he had a leash and he still has a really short leash, but he knows he has a short leash in that moment and not a short leash overall. Like, even when he was part of the rotation for parts of last year before they acquired Josh Hart from like December until February, he was in the rotation for two months, but he knew if he played like crap, he was out. I think he is reassured, especially after the extension. Like, we believe in you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody from Portland came up to me yesterday after that game and was like, I cannot believe Deuce McBride signed that extension. Really? Yeah, it shocked me. It shocked me. Uh, but he was like, I can't believe Deuce McBride signed that extension. That's really it was fascinating. Like the, the, way, the way that he has played the last three games, he was like, I don't care if he shoot if he plays the exact same way, but he shoots thirty three percent. That is like a really good backup point guard who could have gotten paid. He was like, I can't believe he signed it. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that take. I I I actually thought it was a little bit, and I've said this on my pod. I thought it was a little bit ambitious on the Knicks side. Um, but he's playing great ball for like a week straight. He's, he's playing great. And I don't know if he's going to keep hitting shots like this because you still watch him in practice and the spin on his jumper is, is off. It reminds me of when I was a manager at Syracuse and Eric Devendorf's jump shot would spin like, like sideways. It was like a, like a, like a knuckle ball. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh, And except Devendorf, I mean, he, he was a, he was a real marksman in spite of that, that, ridiculously ugly spin but i i i'm 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 following the deuce thing he he he's he's been good and he's definitely a good defender we know that well so let's let's we'll divert course for a second so because like well in regards to his like playing free and loose and and whatever you want to say who i'm trying to remember from last night in the portland game he was on the in the corner and he was putting some moves on some Portland defender trying to take him off the dribble. I don't know if you remember the play I'm talking about. And it, he was like, I really, do. Yeah. I, have we ever seen him trying to do that before? If we have, I have it. I don't remember it. No. I, I, that was fun. No, we've never seen the attempts. I mean, even just like there was a play that Benji highlighted on Twitter today where it's just an out of bounds play in the corner. That was, yeah. It's baseline out of bounds play. Deuce inbounds it to Isaiah Hartenstein. He then curls around Hartenstein, who pitches it back to them, and then Hartenstein screens Deuce's man, and Deuce puts up a corner three. The decisiveness yeah. with which he's taking those threes, there are multiple contested threes he was just taking really decisively. He's playing with no hesitance offensively, and he, I, I think he just feels a lot more confident. Like he's, he's a kid who he works really, really hard. That's why Tibbs loves him, because yeah. he works his ass off. And he cares about the right things. And that's why he's so, you know, endeared by the coaching staff. And now we're kind of seeing like, okay, this is, this is what Tibbs envisioned. I know, I know I'm a hundred percent certain that Tibbs tells people behind the scenes that like, he's better than you think offensively. He's been saying that for a while. He's better than you think. 
And I was like, well, I still think the same, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe he is going to end up being a solid offensive player. And if you get a, that kind of on ball defense and, and that kind of tenacity with, with, with good shooting and fine enough off the dribble stuff. Now all of a sudden you have a, you have a really solid backup point guard. It's well, but it's funny you use that phrase. Cause I, I know you've heard Benji say the thing about like, he's not, really a point guard he's more of a wing which is fine because he could defend up a position i don't know what his height is i don't really care what his height is he could defend twos he could probably defend some threes like for real not like yeah like especially backups yeah exactly because you're what are we talking about here for long-term planning purposes we're talking about you know three minutes a half four minutes a half when it comes down to like nut cutting time um but it's there's still the the initiating offense question which well let, you know what let's let's save that for, for later because that's a whole different conversation we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's stick back in the locker room for a sec. So Deuce is playing a lot more confidence. Grimes playing a lot more confidence. Um, that's all great. Um, I, I don't want to turn this into a Raptors podcast, but it's hard to not notice what's going on in Toronto in terms of how those guys are playing. Was this, I mean, is there any other way to read this trade other than just like, well, actually, no, let me put it this way. Was this a change of scenery that needed to happen for all parties involved? The Knicks, the Raptors quickly, RJ, their teammates, OG, like everything, or is it just simpler in terms of fit? I mean, we talked about it when the trade happened. I thought it was a good trade for both teams. I really think we're going to look at the trade that I compared it to was when I was covering the Thunder and they made the the first Paul George trade. The Paul Oladipo. George for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis. And there, there are a lot of similarities there beyond just like good player on expiring contract traded for two other players. You know, in that deal, you get Victor Oladipo, a former number two pick who had not really found a way to reach his potential yet over his first five seasons. RJ, a number three pick who had not found a way to reach his potential over his first four seasons. Oladipo is going back to Indiana where he played college ball and Indiana valued him more because of that. RJ going back to Canada and Toronto values him more because of that. Sabonis, his rookie year with the Thunder, was young, had potential lottery pick, but was playing out of position next to Steven Adams, playing the four, and they basically used him as a stretch four. Just a ton of catch-and-shoot threes. And as we can see now, that's just not the way to use DeMontis Sabonis, but when you have Steven Adams, it's really difficult to play him another way. Quickly, similar sort of deal. Extremely talented, really good young player who is just stuck behind Jalen Brunson and is due for a breakout. And those guys go to Indiana and Victor Oladipo makes all NBA and Sabonis becomes an excellent player. And then he becomes Tyrese Halliburton in another trade. The Thunder get Paul George. George resigns. They trade Paul George for SGA, who might be the freaking MVP and 948 first round picks. I guarantee you a hundred times out of a hundred, both of those teams would yeah. do that trade again. Yeah. They are. They were both thrilled with that trade. And I, th I think the most likely scenario is that the Raptors and the Knicks look back on this similarly, that the Knicks resign Ananobi and they just continue to have a starting five that makes a whole ton of sense and is legitimately really good. And the Raptors resign IQ, who's playing well for them. 
and maybe RJ gets a little better. He's he's 23 men. Like he's he can get better. Playing very uh, well. No, he's playing 10 for 13 last night. Uh, and RJ RJ becomes a better player just as he ages and gets older. And I I think that's the most likely scenario. I think everyone's going to be happy. Pretty good. Speaking speaking of happiness, one reason that I think IQ maybe wasn't happy um, was he didn't get paid this summer. I like he still brought it a thousand percent. Um, you know, he, he he played wonderfully this year. Do you like how I want there's that part of it and then there's the RJ part of it because he just kind of struggled after the hot start. Like, do you think that there was a world like where well, let me just ask you this. Like, do you think quickly not getting paid this summer? Like, how much do you think that factored into all of this? All of what? The fact that he got traded for OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the fact that he didn't extend played a ton into it. I mean, quick quickly wanted to get paid and you wanted to start. I mean, that's that's documented. And I I don't think he was behind the scenes causing problems. I don't think he was behind the scenes, you know, being being a jerk. I don't think that was the case, but he made it clear he wanted to start and he felt like he was deserving of being a starter. And I think basically anybody who's seen him play would agree that he's a starting caliber point guard. He just happens to be behind a dude who's an all-star. And, and now he's, he's getting an opportunity and he's playing 30 minutes a night with the Raptors. He's, he's averaging 18. He's got a 54% effective field goal percentage. Like he's, he's been good. And he had a couple clunkers in there too. Like, I think the numbers are going to get better than that. I, I imagine he'll be averaging 20 something and on good efficiency and he'll, he's going to be really good for them. Like there was, there was real frustration in the locker room with those guys too. And we, this ties back to like, we're talking about the vibes. I, I struggle to separate the fact that there was real frustration in the locker room before this trade and that this trade solved that frustration. And that was part of the logic of making it. And now the vibes are incredible. Or as Tibbs might say, the spirit is high. Uh, I, now, when I say there was frustration, I think people tend to think in worst, worst case scenarios. They tend to think in like all of this drama in locker yeah. rooms. Oh, they hate each other. All this. Yeah. That, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. Julius Randle does not hate RJ Barrett at all. Like they like each other. They're both nice people. Like that, that, that was not the case. They got along well as people. But I think there was frustration from a basketball perspective where like RJ is frustrated because he had been told for years he was going to be the face of the franchise and his minutes were going down. Manuel quickly is frustrated because he feels like he's losing money and he's losing opportunities because he's playing 24 minutes a game when he feels like he's a starter. Dante DiVincenzo is frustrated because he comes over from Golden State and is playing six or seven fewer minutes a game. Quentin Grimes is frustrated because, as you know, he said it publicly because of the touches, because of the shots. Josh Hart has said it publicly multiple times. He's frustrated because of kind of his his role and and the shots, and he didn't love playing backup four and all that kind of stuff. And this trade solved everything. Even Chenzo plays more. Grimes gets his opportunity to bust out. He quickly gets his opportunity to be a starter. RJ gets his opportunity for kind of a new situation. Hart is no longer playing the backup four. You know, you look at all of it and it's like it solved everything. And I don't think there was fighting behind the scenes. I've heard absolutely nothing to support that there was like fighting and bickering and anger and people not liking each other. But it was just like people who felt like they were good and deserved opportunities and they were frustrated. They weren't getting the opportunities they wanted to get. And, and, and that happens in any work environment. And it certainly happens in hyper competitive work environments. I think it was an inevitable. I think it was an inevitability that this was going to happen when they signed Dante DiVincenzo. There was just too much redundancy of skill set. The roster was not, yeah. yeah, the roster was not balanced enough. What, the day they signed or the day after they signed DiVincenzo, I wrote a piece. I wrote a story like yeah. something is off. Yeah. Something is off with the Knicks. And it was because I knew DiVincenzo was kind of insurance for if when they trade one of those guys for somebody else. At the time, we didn't know it was going to be Ananobi. We expected it could be Ananobi because they've been after him forever. But, but it was going to be someone. 
probably a big wing because that's what the roster needed. And eventually they make that deal. Eventually they work something out for Ananobi. I think it's going to work out great for everybody. I think everyone should be, I think everybody should be happy. Um, yeah. I mean, well, uh, we can move on, but like it, it's hard for me to hear both Julius and Hardenstein. And maybe there was somebody else who I missed, but definitely those two say the same verbiage in different like post game interviews about no one's forcing shots. You know, like the ball's moving. And I, I mean, my God, uh, do you know what the assist percentage is for the starting, this new starting five? It's like, no, se- I don't. It's like 72. Now, granted, it's, it, yeah, it's, 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 I looked it up today. It's, I couldn't believe it, which would be the best assist percentage in the league. But yeah, that, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a wild number. Like you look at like, like, like the 2014 Spurs, yeah. you know, the, the beautiful game. Yeah. That's the team that we refer to as the beautiful game, right? Like, yeah. I think that team was like in the mid 60s on assist percentage. I think the league leader right now is like 68 or 69. So, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, look, it'll come down, obviously, but and and as a team, since the trade, they're only like fifteenth or sixteenth, but it's um it's a big step up from where they were, which was last. Well, yeah, because the bench, all they do is they just grab defensive rebounds and just sprint the other way and get layups. <laughs> so no assist needed. <laughs> so let, okay, that's a good transition. So um, I I mean, I don't know how much we want to like talk fake trades. I, I really did kind of want to focus, uh, much like you and CP did, on like the basketball that we're seeing because it's so good. But I like at, at the same time, like, I don't know what there is to say, because to me, it's so obvious that like everything is just fitting in. I guess. What, let me ask you this. What do you think? Can I ask you a hard question? I don't know that I can answer it, but sure. Where the if, if you power rank Eastern Conference teams today, like the playoffs start today and you have to power rank Eastern Conference teams. It's like it's like college sports where you, where the seeding is not by record; it's just by power rankings. Who's who's the best right now? Where are the Knicks? Well, Boston's one. That's easy. Power rank them for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Power. Where are the Knicks? So, Andrew, are, are the Knicks the second best team in the East right now? Am I going to make you say that in your podcast? Yeah. So, a- a- Andrew just typed in twice in the chat. Be bold, John. One one with periods in between each word. So be bold, John. Really for emphasis there. Um, it's been a lot of decades of NBA basketball I've been watching, and not always, not always does the best player in a playoff series win. A vast majority of the time, when you have the best player in a playoff series, you win, all things being equal. Like, obviously, there are times where it's a major disparity, and there's clearly one team that is just much talented than the other team. And then the more talented team will overcome the fact that they may not have the best player in the series. But that's a big, that's a big gap. You know, here, it seems like I'm setting up to put the next fourth. Here's the thing, right? I've been watching Milwaukee, not just the last three games where they've lost all three and they, I, Dame wasn't in there in the last game. And boy, did they get their freaking doors blown off without Dame. I've loved what I've seen from Milwaukee all year, even in wins that they've had against us. I'm like, man, we could have beaten that team. Like, I know there was the one. I think there was what one blowout or against the Knicks. I, or my. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. The one yeah. the one where they they went like 23 for 38 from. Three. Yeah. Where they shot 60 something percent from three. OK. I have not loved what I've seen from Milwaukee this year. I don't know how you could watch Milwaukee and love what you've seen. I don't know how you if you're a Milwaukee fan, you could love the reporting about the fact that the coach staved off one mutiny and like maybe there's been more that we don't really know about. I don't know. So there's that. And then there's Philly who we just blew their doors off. And Embiid's track record in the playoffs is what it is. And like, there's the whole Philly stink of it all because like they can't seem to get out of their own way. Can I put the next two? You could. It's insane. Is, is it not? I asked the question. Oh, God. That's why I asked the question, John. Let me say You're this. Really good. There's a gap between Boston and then, then the next three. And the gap between two, three, and four in whatever order you want to put them, for me at least, is. At this point, probably splitting hairs. And I and I I think the playoffs are when we're gonna maybe look back at the no Harden and what they got for Harden or what they didn't get for Harden as maybe more of a thing, even though I know Harden doesn't perform in the playoffs, but like just having that extra something there. And I think it showed in the game that the two teams just played against each other. And then again for Milwaukee, I don't 
the whole is not as, as is not adding up to the sum of the parts. Um, all right, sure. You want me to give you the hot take? I'll, I'll put them too. How about that? You having fun? That's you fun. did it. There we go. Fred, you did it. <laughs> the Knicks are the second best team in the East, baby. Everybody, in Boston, we coming for you. Everybody happy now? Great. We that did. wasn't so, that hard. Giannis hasn't accomplished anything outside of this open gym era because okay. because Kevin Durant's foot size was one inch too big. Okay, and Embiid, we saw what happened on Friday. Ass whooping coming, rest of the East. <laughs> <laughs> this I, leads, I think yeah I what? think you couldn't put them lower than I think you could justify them anywhere between two and five and and can I can I guess what the other team is that you could justify putting above them yeah Miami. it's pretty obvious yeah, yeah totally if you just want to say Miami is Miami that's all you need to say you want to put, put Miami, Miami number one, one put Miami, Miami one. number one I'm like so, no, seriously no but like yeah. what, two of the last three years or whatever it is three of the last uh, it, they're Miami. They do what they their do. Their coach, their coach just got a hundred and twenty million dollar <laughs> extension, and everyone's reaction was, was okay. Oh, great deal for Miami. I can't believe it cost so little. <laughs> he should have everyone. Got got yeah, everyone was like, to. everyone was like, oh, great deal for Miami. Like, yeah. there's literally no price for no. Eric Spolstra. Other people would have been like, no. that's too much. They just no. can't even imagine it. They, they, he, that dude is the most unfreaking believable coach. It's it's yeah. insanity, and that team is good. The team is really good, and yeah. you know they're the they're the heat. They're the heat. I, I don't really care what they do in the regular season anymore. So they don't they don't care either, Fred. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. No, they don't. They don't uh, so that that's the one. I I think you could justify them anywhere from one to five. I think I'd throw them. I think I'd throw them three right that's now. Fun. That's fun. And and I agree with your take on Milwaukee. I I'm worried about Adrian Griffin in a playoff series. I I remember what like Tibbs did to the Cavs last year. I could see something like that in a Milwaukee series. I also think Milwaukee has nobody to guard Jalen Brunson. It's a really tough matchup for them. And they kind of have to put Giannis on Julius Randle, which can kind of mess them up because Giannis's best trade as a defender is when he can hang and be off the ball. Yep. And if you don't, they just don't have a big wing they don't have a defensive minded guy who can stop those two guys really and, and and keep their defense intact in the way they want to. I I think I would put them ahead of Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I think I might even put Milwaukee five because Milwaukee keeps losing to to Miami in the playoffs. Uh, but I would still put Philly, I would still put Philly even after the Friday game, I would still put Philly ahead of them. That's fair. Because of the sheer talent and and because Nick Nurse is a really good playoff coach. Sure, yeah. a real, really good playoff coach and a really good coach. Period. And I, I have a lot. I have a lot of trust in that Philly team. Honestly, I think they're real. I think they're really good. And I think it's very possible that Philadelphia could have the two best players in that series. Like, a, there's a world where if you they play if they play mm. the Knicks, that like Maxi. I'm not saying Maxi is always better than Brunson, but Maxi can outplay Brunson in the series just as sure. easily as Brunson can outplay Maxi. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how it uh, how it unfolds, but look, it's pretty freaking good. Like that's a really good team. It like they're 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 I I think fifty wins is not out of the question anymore. It's also just real quick on the Philly thing. I was thinking about this the other day because uh, it was Benji and and DJ on the pod the other night. So I think and I think you listened to it too, saying like they didn't love OG on Maxi, and like it's a weird thing where you have this. You have this versatile, the most ostensibly the most versatile chess piece defensively in the entire league. Who one of the things you say about OG and Anobi is how many guys could guard Maxi one possession and 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 he literally did it. He started on Maxi one possession, ended up on Embiid. Like he, it, it literally happened. He can do it, but I wonder if what he does specifically gets neutralized more against Philly than against any team. Because do you ever want him on Embiid? Really? Probably not. You ever really want him on Maxi? Probably not. So then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, then you're counting on him wrecking havoc off the ball, which tips can get creative. We'll worry about that if, if and when it comes. But sneakily, for the ways that you've often talked about Milwaukee being a sneakily good matchup for the Knicks, maybe Philly, for as much as they just kick the shit out of them, is not the best, best, best matchup for the Knicks. Yeah. The Knicks, you look, this Knicks roster might not look the same in April and May. The right, next roster might not look the same in April and May. Let's get there. So, I've been putting it off. So what do you think concerns the Knicks front office the most right now against 
a good team in a, in a second round playoff series. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. They haven't even crazy things could happen. But let's just say for argument's sake, because that's what they want to do. You said this on the pod last time. They're, that's their goal. So let's 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 give them their goal. They make it to the second round. What do you think concerns them most? They're starting offense versus the sort of defense they'll see, which I understand there's lots of different qualities of defense they could see, but let's just go with it. They're starting defense against whatever offense they'll see or their um, bench offense. And I mean, specifically when Jalen Brunson sits, what do you think is their biggest like we need to solve this? I don't think they have any concerns about the starting lineup. Defense or offense? No, okay. I don't think so. Great. All right. I think I think they feel great about the starters. How could they not? Those Last guys five minutes of a close game that you think they're they you you would guess that they would feel they would feel okay. Yeah. I think okay. Tibbs, I think Tibbs might play around. Maybe, maybe one night Hart will close over somebody, maybe one night Grimes will close over somebody. Uh, but I feel like they're I feel like they feel very good about the way that starting lineup fits. Okay. Now, Julius Randle called OG the perfect fit. And I think he's 100% right. He he kind of gives them everything. And they're still figuring out ways to make it work. Like OG does not know the plays yet. That's not a knock on him. It's not a knock on him. He's How could here. he know the plays? He wasn't on the team. Yeah, That's true for literally every single player who's ever been traded midseason. Precious Achua doesn't know the plays yet. And Malachi Flynn doesn't know the plays yet either. There was a play in the Chicago game last week where they ran this little pistol action for OG. And it really stood out to me because they, they ran this little pistol action for OG. And it's an action that they run ran for RJ all the time where OG was in the corner and Brunson, the right corner, Brunson comes over on the right side and he's supposed to go into a dribble handoff to OG. And it's, it's ideally supposed to get him going downhill. And he takes the dribble handoff and he takes one dribble and he just kind of like backs out as if he didn't really know where he was going. And he just lobs it to Julius Randall on the other side to do something. And that's because he didn't know the play. He wasn't in rhythm. And like two plays later, or three plays later or something, he ends up slicing into a cut, which opened up a basket. And the fact that he didn't yet know one of their basic plays, which again, like completely fine. There's nothing. Of, of course, he doesn't know their plays. That is, yeah. that is what happens in literally every trade ever. He has to learn them. The fact that he still didn't know where it plays and yet still had the wherewithal to be like, here are my cuts. Here are my lanes. Here's where I improv. Like that he's already doing this when he doesn't even know the basics of the offense means I'm just here sitting here thinking like, this is not as good as it can be. This is going to get better. Once OG knows everything, it's going to get better. And the improv will get better too. Because he'll know his guy's tendencies and he'll know where guys are going to go if plays break down in certain ways or what they're we supposed to do. We saw last night in the first quarter, yes. there was those two or three or four plays where, and I mean, the, the funnest one was Brunson hitting him under the basket, which was just like, it was Nirvana. But we said we're already seeing it. Yes, totally. He's a really smart player. He's really smart. And, and you just quoted the 72% assist rate with that lineup right now, which is 72% of your baskets coming on assists. That's a... Really large number. They're getting a ton of threes. Their shot selection is is great. I mean, they're just getting good good looks every damn time. They're getting Hartenstein more involved. Uh, I love when they get Hartenstein involved with the bench unit. Oh, me I too. would say, Deuce. I would say, I think, the, I would say, I think the thing that they're watching the most is the offense with Brunson off the court. That has looked better the last few games, in part because they're playing Hartenstein. Um, just forever now, and and I <laughs> and he he helps he helps a, a lot with that kind of stuff, and I think Hart is taking on a little bit of a bigger burden, and they're really really pushing that like that bench. So like Josh Hart, you have to push pace, you have to every freaking defensive rebound, you have to push pace because this unit is meant to score in frenzies not in some sort of methodical half-court offense. I would say I think the, the facilitating when Brunson is off the floor is, is probably the biggest concern, and I could see them doing something about that. I could definitely see them making another move, and everyone talks about the move. 
Will they go out and get a bigger star than Stephen A. Smith? Everybody wonders. But why would you say his I, name I, on this podcast? I, like just bringing the mood down all the way. It's a big, he's a big star, man. He's pay a lot of money. Yeah, he does. He is a big star. Good for him. He gets like the he makes like the mid level exception. He's doing great. Nick Spolster money. Make the he's doing Spolster money. He's doing great. A lot better. A lot better than either of us. Who are we to criticize? And you know what? He's kind of a bigger star than basically most players in the NBA. So he's not. He's not really wrong. God bless. I think man. he can say it. I think he can say it about any team. Yeah. But uh, you know, everyone talks about the star trade. I think there's like a move on the fringe of the roster for them to make what I would, what I would look out for is that it, if they do make another move, I think it will be somebody who they could, they could see. And I know Jeremy Cohen has made this point. And I think it's a really good one. It's somebody who I could see like being part of that bigger next move. Uh, I'm not talking about the Murray to be clear. I'm thinking of smaller names than that. Uh, but, but I, I could I could see that being the logic behind it. I don't think it would necessarily be unless they just don't really I mean maybe if you don't have to give anything up. You know, if you don't have to give anything up and you're able to get a good player who's going to help you now and you just take a man he's expiring or whatever. So basically like, I think Fournier and and uh and and like and a second and it's, you know. Right, if you have Fournier and a second for somebody like you're not giving anything up like that that's different. But if you're if you're going to give something up, I think they want something back that they can use in like the bigger trade. Someone who who would be considered an asset in that bigger trade, um, whose okay. contract will be looked at as as kind of solid and tradable. Uh, that's that's something I would look out for in, in in the type of player who who they would target. And I don't know if they're going to make a move, but I would not be surprised if they did. I think they're they've been they've been pretty active. They've been pretty active talking to teams and that kind of stuff. And they're giving other teams the impression that making a move is very much like it's it's I mean, we got a month till the deadline, but it's it's on the table. I it's not like they're saying like we're great, we're good as is, we're keeping the roster right now and seeing how we do with this group. Would you agree with me that it would be shocking if they made a move that infringed upon their ability uh in terms of the Stepian rule? to make any sort of all-in trade starting the day after the 2024 draft. So basically like they they, the, they will they will not offer any of their own future picks or swaps. Yeah, I mean I think they could do a similar thing to where they did with the Hart trade last year. Yeah, sure. Where like where like the the Josh Hart trade they traded their own 2023 first round pick. Yeah. It was lottery protected and if it didn't convey That's it goes then away. It just it just went away. I could see them doing something like that. Sure. I could see them trading the Dallas pick sure. or any of the other protected first they have. I think that Dallas pick is looked at as pretty good because that's more than likely going to convey this year is as, you know, maybe in the teens, maybe in the low twenties, something like that. So I think, I think that Dallas pick that can get you something. That's a real pick. I could see them doing that, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to trade like, two unprotected firsts for a sixth man. That's not, that's not, that's just not how they're going to operate. That's not how they're thinking right now. So then would it also be fair to say that the pivot point for any trade might be Quentin Grimes in terms of, do they feel anybody is worth giving up Grimes for, or do you think that he is like off the table? No, I don't think he's off the table. I don't think he's off the table at all, but, but I don't think they're just going to like, give up Grimes for someone who's really good, but a rental. Yeah. I think if they do trade Grimes, it would be for somebody who they could then put into the next trade for the star and would be considered a net positive ad for that team acquiring him. Okay. Uh, I don't know who that would be. I don't think there's anything concrete to be talking about. Now we're only talking in theory, but like, if you call about Grimes, they're not like hanging up and being like, no, we're not talking about Quentin Grimes. Like they'll, they'll, they'll pick up the call. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, well, I, I got to get out of here and you got you have work to do. I, I probably, um, I want to <laughs> ask you, and by the way, you do a great job with your guest producer. I think his name is Andrew on these mailbags. And so I on cats and shoot on patreon.com. And so I purposefully did not want to go through like half a dozen possible trade candidates with you because I'm sure that you will do that on your show, cats and shoot with your guest producer. I think again, his name is Andrew um, at some point soon before the trade deadline. So you know, make sure you subscribe to that. But I have a bone to pick with you. Yes. You said on said podcast, Cats and Shoot, that the notion of paying is a very specific bone. The notion of paying Isaiah Hardenstein more than Mitchell Robinson, or I forget what are your exact words, but it was something along the lines of like, you can't pay a backup center like more than the, not, not that it was that more than the starter, but like investing $30 million a year in the center position when you, you know, one of those players is not Jokic or Embiid or whoever. That that notion is like, I don't know about that. And I am looking at it differently right now. And Hardenstein's like such a big part of the conversation at the moment because of how he's playing. And I'm looking at it like if they are going to continue to invest in Mitchell Robinson, which we don't know if they are. But let's just say for argument's sake, they want to continue investing in Mitchell Robinson, who has. I think you can now say fairly injury concerns moving forward. Is that not? I think that's fair to say. Of course. Isn't that more of a reason to pay your backup center a lot of money to you know to make sure he's there? Like, am I way off base? Because I heard you say that, and this was the first thought that popped into my mind, and so I wanted to ask you about it. No, I mean it's a really good point. It's totally fair, but I was just looking at the rest of the roster. Whereas, like, yes, a year from now, Jalen Brunson is going to be eligible for a max contract. A year from now. He could well he could yeah. extend this summer, so it would tack on. But he's not going to sign the extension. Be- Probably. We talked about this you mm, a while ago, and you were like, "Yeah, maybe he signs it." You, on this very podcast, you said this, and I was like, "You're nuts." And I, and, I know. And, yeah, I was nuts. I was nuts. I mean, we were nuts. Okay. Look, I, I guess I guess we'll find out. But they can we'll offer him out. an extension with a starting number of 140 percent of his current salary, which is to use a technical term, a shit ton less than his max. So he can wait and get the max in free agency and get more. His, his max number start is going to start at like a projected $46 million a year. It's a lot. Of money. So in 2025, which sounds so far into the future to me, but is literally next year, starting in 2025, you know, Brunson is going to get a big number. We've been talking, oh, that maybe Julius Randle will pick up his player option. If this is the player Julius Randle is, He's not picking up that player option. He, for 32? Is it? There's no way. There's no way he's picking up for 32. Chance. He could get way more than that in free agency. That That is like, people are talking about that contract now as like a really good value contract. Like that's, that's the days of Julius Randle being, making too much money for, to, to justify his production, long gone. That's, that's a good team-friendly contract that's way below his max, which can start at the same number as Brunson's. I don't think Julius Randle necessarily gets the max, but he gets more than 32. So you're going to have to pay a ton for Randle. You're going to have to pay a ton in next, starting next year for Jalen Brunson. They're going to have to pay a ton for OG Ananobi. I don't know if it's going to be 35 a year. I don't know if it's going to be 38 a year. I don't know what it's going to be. I know it's going to be a number that's really high. It's going to be at least in the 30s. And then you put all of those together. That's 125. Call it it 125. Let's call it 125. The cap is going to be one, whatever it's going to be. But we're not talking about the cap here. We're talking about the first apron and then obviously the second apron. Right. You still got Josh Hart making about 20. You still got Dante DiVincenzo making 11. You got Mitch on the books for like 13 or something that year. Declining. It's just just a lot. It adds up. It's a lot. Uh, you're you're gonna have. You might have Grimes starting a new contract then, or somebody else on another contract. If you trade Grimes for somebody, you might have somebody else. And keep in mind, this is a year from now. We're talking about. Oh, maybe they make the big star trade this summer. You make the big star trade this summer. Now you're all of a sudden you're bringing in a guy who makes. Presumably, you're trading for him. He's on a max contract or damn close to a max contract. Now you're bringing in somebody who makes, let's call it 40 
2025. So now you got Brunson in the 40s, Randall in the 40s, that guy in the 40s, Ananobi, at least in the 30s. It's just, it just adds up. It becomes really, really difficult to build a roster. And now you're talking about threatening the second apron. And it doesn't have to go this way. Maybe they end up trading Randall as part of that huge star trade because sure. it's somebody who doesn't work with Randall. Maybe they end up trading Mitchell Robinson because the guy who they get is a center. Maybe I don't think it'll be Brunson. And I don't think it'll be Ananobi because part of the reason they love Ananobi is they feel like he is just the perfect fit next to any type of player, which is totally correct. Uh, but but it's just it's just difficult to give out that kind of money. I also maybe I shouldn't think about it this way because I wrote a story about this last week. Mitch, Mitch and Isaiah are so close. They are literally best friends in life. They're not best friends on the team. Like they That's are really best cool. friends. It was a great life. story, by the way. Great story. Thank you. They I just thought it was so wholesome. They are they are they are each other's real best friends and they are each other's biggest cheerleaders. And normally, if you have a situation in the NBA where the backup makes more than the starter, there's going to be jealousy there. And there's going to be a like, why is this guy making more than me if he's my backup? And that's almost always going to be an issue in the NBA. Maybe this is the one scenario where the starter will be like, oh, yeah, he got paid and just be thrilled. Like that's that's possible. So maybe I shouldn't even factor that into the equation, but it's it's something that you have to at least consider because most of the time in the NBA, you're going to have, like, if you pay somebody, like, it's it's a little... And then also you're up in the market for, for Mitch, uh, you know, or maybe you let him walk. I don't know how it works, but it's just tough to give out that money when a solid enough backup center can cost way less, as great as Hartenstein has been. The other option, if Hartenstein really proves to just be a a really, I mean, we've talked about him as one of the best, if not the best backup center in the league. He, he's not that anymore. He's just a good starting center now. Yes. And if you want to move on from Mitch and resign Hartenstein, that might be something that you're able to do. Uh, And it would take probably trading Mitch at his absolute lowest point of value. He'll be coming off the injury. That's the thing. But, but it, but if you want Hartenstein as your starting center, that, that might be, that might be the move you end up making too. I, the thing I, I'm obviously there's a lot to watch for the rest of this year. I want to, I'm really excited to see Hartenstein specifically on the offensive end and just how they continue to work on offense with him. Um, and I wonder if for as great as he was as a backup in LA two years ago, for as much as we've seen recently, like what can this dude do without the governor on for real with like real minutes? And, and again, as the point many have made, you never know how someone's going to respond to more minutes. And you know, he's never played this many minutes. He's never played close to many minutes in his life. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, but I'm excited to see what he could do. Um, Can I make two points on this really quick? Please, yes. First point. The decision might be made for the Knicks. Well, we it's possible they don't even have a decision to make, right? Yeah. Because the Knicks, because they have early bird rights on Hartenstein, they're only allowed to offer him. And and you and I have discussed this in depth because we could not figure out the wording in the CBA. And I texted two cap guys with NBA teams and even they weren't 100% sure. So I actually checked in with the league on, on the ruling on this. That's where you got the answer? Yes. You didn't tell me that, you mother. Oh, yeah. I checked, I checked in with the league. That's good. And, and the rule is, so, so the Knicks are allowed to offer, 100, offer a Hartenstein a starting salary in his next deal up to 175% of his current salary. But because he has bonuses in his current salary, we weren't sure if it was 175% of his base or 175% of, of, the of what he actually bonuses. of what he right. is, which is what he's actually going to make this year probably yes and it, yeah. yes and 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 it turns out that they are allowed to offer him up to 14.3 million in a base along with up to 1.8 million in bonuses and they can make those bonuses pretty attainable basically get him a 16.1 million dollar starting salary but if somebody comes in and says you're awesome we want you to be our starting center Here's three years, 65 million. 
The Knicks can't match it. And Hartenstein might be like $65 million. Holy crap. This was great, but see you guys. And, and the Knicks can't do anything about that. So I think that's, that's something that is on the table. Um, And then the other part of it, which is my second point, which is, yeah, that would suck for the Knicks if they lost Hartenstein. He's a really good player, but what a great problem to have. It's yeah. If, if Isaiah Hartenstein gets paid so much money that the Knicks can't afford to bring him back, means he's been awesome. That means <laughs> that means that he played, if he gets $22 million a year yeah. this summer, that means he played like a $22 million player the rest of this year. Yep. And that means the Knicks probably ended up having a pretty damn good season. Yep. So, so it's a, it's a really good problem to have. And, and that's a point that somebody made to me recently where I'm like, yeah, you sign a guy, you're paying him 9.2 and you get $22 million value out of him. You, you just have to chalk it up and be like, that guy, that guy did awesome for us. Let's just appreciate, let's just appreciate what's there, you know? All right. And on that note, I, I, I appreciate you, Fred Katz, um, because you just give us so much, so, so much. and um, and that is what you do. You are like Santa. With presents. <laughs> only, only in appearance. Only in body shape. Who was the guy <laughs> that made that fucking joke? Oh my God. Uh, you, oh, I didn't. Did you know you were on TV for three seconds in? in uh, was it in Philly? Really? Yeah. You know, you were you were on. I I I was gonna. Te- I didn't text you about that, but then I texted you about the. When you got your article, when uh, Kenny Albert chatted out your article, oh um, yeah, that was cool. That was very nice of Kenny. Yeah, uh, it was very because well, it was a great article. Um, you write many great articles, um, and I love that you get to or we get to have you come on here and talk about them. In case you missed anything that Fred wrote over the last uh, week and change, again, the Archidiacono story is dropping today as you're listening to that, but also the must-read story on the friendship between Isaiah Hartenstein and uh, Mitchell Robinson, and then of course. The story about the Randall Sons, which you didn't even get the chance to touch on today because um, there's so much other stuff going on. But be sure to listen to a an episode of Cats and Shoot coming to a podcast platform near you. Actually, no, it's not coming to a podcast platform. You go to Patreon to listen to it. But that's fine. Um, it's great stuff that you do. Thank you so much. Anything you want to say before we get out of here? Yeah, I'm just a little bit annoyed that that Andrew changed my name and the super in the video below to, to Fred Katz. And that's not what I wrote. Well, that's, that's it is your name, though. I mean, you know, I thought I thought Ryan Archie Diaca know it all was 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 a really a really good little title there. And you just changed it to Fred Katz. I don't enjoy how professional this entire operation has become. I think I need to derail more of it next time just to keep I, Andrew on his toes. You have your own podcast to derail anytime <laughs> and you like. It's the same. Oh, it's, it's the same. derailed, my friend. <laughs> you know what? That I'll bring it down. Mess. I'll bring it down before we get out of here. We didn't bring up urine or poo once, even though there were two, there was a germane opportunity to do so with the Pistons' performance against the Kings last night. Um, but we're not going to talk about it now because I'm late for dinner upstairs. <laughs> you could, If you guys want to stay on and talk about pee and poo, I'm gonna let you know. Andrew's giving me wrap a wrap it up, John. We got this. Oh, okay. We did good. Hey, hey, John. Hey, John. Sounds like you're in trouble. <laughs> Archie Diak in no fucking way did you just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm done. Uh go read Fred Katz, the athletic or don't. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> go listen to Cats and shoot. Uh, go read him. He's he's very good. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Exposed School Podcast. We appreciate all of you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Bye.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.